Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. God is good. Good. Maybe give him a fist bump or just let him know God is good. God is good. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Psalm chapter 100. Thank you, choir, for blessing us, and thank you. Man, whenever this place is filled with music, it's just a wonderful thing to behold. And I'm so thankful that you are part of our services today. And Psalm 100 is where our study finds ourselves. This is our second to last week. Next week, we will finish up this series that we embarked on uh, probably about six weeks ago entitled The Songs of Summer, looking at the book of Psalms and finding specific psalms from that songbook that was uh, preserved for us and inspired by God, where God's people have been singing these songs for generations, thousands of years, and they're recorded for us in the book of Psalm. Today, we're going to look specifically at Psalm chapter 100. I thought we'd do something a little bit different. We'll read the entire Psalm. It's one of those shorter ones. And as we read the entire Psalm, could you help me out? And let's sing, uh, not sing, but let's say verse 1. I'll say verse 1. And then you as a congregation, would you read uh, Psalm uh, 101, you do verse 2, I'll do verse 3, you do verse 4, and then I'll close it up with verse number 5. If you can do this, if you're with me, if you accept the challenge this morning, say yes. yes. If the person beside you did not say yes, just kind of look at them with a sideways Baptist glance and be like, <laughs> pastor's very upset with you right now. All right, Psalm 100 and verse number 1, I'm 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Verse 1 says this, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Verse 2, You guys did really good on that one. I'm looking forward to verse 4. But verse 3 is mine. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. What you just experienced is something that would often happen when the Psalms were read publicly. Many of these would have been committed to memory, like the songs that we sing today, and so it would have not had been uncommon for a person when they were greeted together in front of the temple or perhaps for an assembly, for them to say, let us sing this particular psalm together. And the people would sometimes chant, but more than likely they would sing out in unison. So what we just did today is a practice that has been observed by believers for thousands of years. You just participated in a holy practice that people have observed for thousands of years. Pretty cool. Psalm chapter 100 is a unique one because it's the only psalm that has this title. Before verse 1, it says this, that this is a psalm of praise. And in verse number 1, the Bible tells us, I'm going to need new batteries in this thing. It's not, the batteries are dead. Again, we got it. We're just going through batteries on this. Uh, where's my man, Terrence? Is he, Terrence, <laughs> Terrence, get over here, Terrence. 
if you remember, Terrence last week just joined the church, and, uh, and he's got a... <laughs> Let's see if we can make that not happen next week, okay? But, because poor Terrence, he's like, I come to this church, and all they do is make me run up and down stairs and get batteries. In Psalm chapter 100, can you go to that next slide? It says this is a psalm of praise, and that word praise, I want to show you what the Hebrew word for that word praise is. Go to the next slide. It is the, uh, go to the next slide. It's this word, todah, and you can see it there written in Hebrew at the top of the screen, but we would pronounce it this way to the best of our ability. We would pronounce it todah, which means to lift an empty hand. We thank you. Good job, Terrence. You are just crushing. That's good. That's good. Let's see. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, uh, uh. All right, you're going to have to help me out and keep going with it, because for some reason that's not working exactly the way it's supposed to. Verse number one says, this is a psalm of praise, and the word todah means to lift an empty hand. Go to the next slide. When I was about 10 years old, our family took a trip, and that trip was from Las Vegas all the way up to Fairbanks, Alaska. And we didn't fly on this trip. We drove the entire way. Now, it was not uncommon for us to drive long distances. My mom is from western Pennsylvania, and we would drive out to where she grew up most summers and spend a couple of weeks with Grandma, who lived beside that creek. And we would spend uh, going on trails, catching fish, going through crawdads, hanging out in her creek, just doing whatever we could to hang out with uh, Grandma. But on this vacation, my folks said, we're going to drive the Alaskan Highway all the way from Las Vegas up to Fairbanks, Alaska. Go to the next slide. On that trip, we were on a Sunday in Whitehorse, Yukon. And in the Whitehorse, Yukon, we were looking for a church. And my dad got on the yellow pages and was looking in the hotel room to see where we would go to church that next day. And he found that there were only three churches in the Whitehorse, Yukon at that time. There was a LDS church, there was a Catholic church, and there was an Assembly of God church, a charismatic church. And my dad said, that's what we most likely believe. We're closest to them. We're going to go to that church. And so on that day, we went into a very small building that probably had 30 to 50 uh, people in that service. And as the song service started, I observed something I had never seen before. In this small Assembly of God church, as the music started to play, all of the ladies in the church started raising their hands. And as they started to raise their hands, my brother and I, uh, my brother Josh and I started looking at them like, what is going on? And I think my sister may have even said, what are, why is everyone raising their hands? And I think I whispered to her, I think someone has a question. And they were raising their hands and they were lifting their hands and, and some people had different methods. Some people were raising their hands like this and some people were raising this. There were the, the field goal people too and there was a, just a whole lot of different raising hands. There was one lady who was like rocking the hands like this and I'd never seen that before in my entire life. I'm like, what is going on? And so as we were observing this, my brother Josh and I, my parents were singing, we decided to get filled with the Holy Spirit too. And so my brother Josh and I, we started raising our hands and, and rocking and swaying along till my parents saw us. <laughs> and we stopped being filled with the Holy Spirit and we got that pinch. You know that pinch on the back of the neck from mom? That just, oh, yeah, we, sorry, sorry. And we had a talking to afterwards that involved probably some physical pain as well. It was the first time that I had observed that. The word praise here is an interesting word. Go to the next slide. 
The word praise means to lift an open hand. That's what the word literally means. It means to come to God with a hand outstretched like this. Now, for generations, that gesture is a gesture that has been observed as a way to show reverence, to show honor, to demonstrate allegiance, loyalty, or love, and even gratitude to somebody. In the 19, uh, right before the turn of the century, from 1800s to 1900s, a guy named Francis Bellamy wrote our Pledge of Allegiance. And when he wrote the Pledge of Allegiance, he decided with his co-author that it would be appropriate, it would be right for those who were saying the Pledge of Allegiance to give a non-military salute. And so this is a picture from a public school in 1915. And when you see these are young people in 1950 who are giving a salute to the American flag in the Pledge of Allegiance that looks like this. That tradition continued for several decades. This is a picture from 1931. And in 1931, as the school day was starting, the students would all stand together. They would raise their hand towards the American flag and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag. And as they would give the entire Pledge of Allegiance, they would give a sign of honor or they would give a sign of respect demonstrating my allegiance to the flag. And that went on for almost four decades with that posture demonstrating allegiance to the United States of America and the flag. Now, in 1942, Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed a uh, joint session of Congress decree that said we would no longer, when we gave a pledge of allegiance to the flag, we would no longer do that because in 1942, there was a crazy person going throughout Europe and he was making people, whenever they saw him, his name was Adolf Hitler, raise a hand of salute. And so Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, whenever we pledge allegiance, we no longer do this, we do this. Do you remember last week how we talked how Satan will oftentimes take something that is good and will make it bad? So that Satan even took the word of God and tried to take the word of God and use it in a way to discourage Jesus Christ. Okay, so here's a very good gesture. Here's something that was noble and used for generations and generations, for thousands of years to show respect and goodness. And it took an act of Congress for us to stop doing it because it had become aligned with something that was evil. But God, here in chapter number 100 of the book of Psalms, says this is a psalm of praise. Our method of praising God should come with an attitude of an open hand and even a gesture of an open hand. He says this, number two, not only do we have an open hand, but the Bible says that we should have a celebrating noise. Look in verse number one. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. There is certain songs and certain music that should just inspire joy. I don't know about you, but this morning when I hear our choir sing and when this entire place is filled with music, isn't that a place of celebration? The Bible tells us that there is supposed to be celebrating noise that comes from us in reference to praise to God. We're supposed to sing. We're supposed to lift up his wonderful name. We were down in uh, South Texas, Luke and I, about a month ago, and one of our pastor friends took us to just about uh, a half a mile or a mile from the border. And there, we went into this huge 
Mexican supermarket, and I bought three ponchos. And God got one of them for the girls, each one of the girls. I got them all a poncho. And we went over to one of these sections, and there was this box that was about a foot long, and it had a, had a handle on it. And Luke said, I want one of those, because when you take it, it's called a matracas. And when you take that matracas, you, you crank it like this, and it goes around, and it makes this noise. And it's a very joyful noise if it's outside with the doors closed and nobody hears it. But it's one of those things that's supposed, it's designed, you take it to a sporting event or you take it to a soccer game and you've heard those, those loud noises and those wonderful celebrations. God says this, that you and I are to praise him. And one of the methods we praise him with is with an open hand. Another method that we praise him with is with a celebrating noise. God wants us to sing to him. In fact, notice all the different ways that God wants us to not just use our voice, but look at the the scriptures where the Bible tells us about the musical instruments he wants us to use. Go to the next slide. In Psalm chapter 150, verse 3 through 5, check it out. The Bible says that we are supposed to praise him with the sound of a trumpet. Now, I'm not going to ask you to duplicate that that sound here today, but just understand, God wants us to praise him with a trumpet. He wants us to praise him with a psaltery. The psaltery would have been a, a stationary harp, and he wants to cha- uh, us to praise him with a harp, which would be similar to a guitar. Praise him with a timbrel, something that is making a, a, a clanking kind of noise. Praise him with the dance. Move on, we're Baptist. But the Bible says this. This is fascinating. <laughs> this is what's fascinating. Why does God want us to use our voice? Why does God want us to use our hands? Why does God even want us to use the dance as a way to celebrate him? Because our whole bodies are supposed to be an instrument to demonstrate that there is a great God. Everything we do is for the glory of God. So there was a time when King David, one of the writers of the Psalms, was bringing in the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem to find its home in the tabernacle where it had not been for a generation. And as David is coming in, he celebrates the Lord with a dance in a similar fashion. So we can understand it. Do you remember when the genie brought Prince Ali Ababa into? Okay. So in the same fashion that he was being led in there to meet the princess, David was dancing and celebrating and jesting and making sport to bring attention from all of the market commotion, from all the busynesses of the day. Look at what's happening here. The king is acting like a jester. Why is he acting like a jester? Because he's giving grace to God. Wow. So with the dance, we praise him with stringed instruments and with organs. We praise him upon the loud cymbals. We praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. The Bible tells us that God wants us to praise him with everything that, was th- that is within us, whether an instrument, with a voice, with our body. Our lives are supposed to be used to bring praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the next slide. The Bible says this. Why should we do that? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, the Bible says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For you are bought with a price. You've been bought and paid for. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are what? 
his. They're God's. They belong to God. From time to time, I'll have a teenager will ask me, should I get a tattoo? Should I pierce this? Am I allowed to wear this clothes? Or am I supposed to do this? Many of those questions get answered when you start to realize your body ain't your own. You're not a walking billboard for who I am or for who you are. We are literally a walking billboard for Jesus Christ. The world understands branding. The world understands marketing. But much more than they understand it, God says, I want this world to know that there is a God in heaven who loves them, who cares for them, who's given them truth. And so what I will do, rather than God buying billboards or uh, purchasing stadium sponsorships or putting logos on NBA, jerseys, what God decided to do is save you, and he uses your body, and he uses your words, and he uses your talents, and he uses your time so that a whole world can know that there is a God in heaven. So God tells us that our, our praise, sometimes we'll use an open hand. God tells us that sometimes there will be different instruments that are used, or there will be different methods that are used. Go to the next slide. But the Bible also says this, that everyone's invited. Aren't you grateful? When I listen, you guys haven't got to hear Mark sing solos as many times as I have. But Mark, homeboy's got some pipes. I mean, when he sings, he sang at weddings before, and you would think it's Josh Groban singing the song over there. He can just sing. And when he sings, there's, I, I love it. I love listening to Mark sing. When Emily plays the piano, oh my goodness. She can play that piano like nothing else. I was watching Alex play the guitar today. I, tried, I took six lessons to play the guitar. And I sound like I took six lessons playing the guitar. I was listening to our online video the other day, and I was listening to um, Ted playing the bass guitar. And just brings in this this fullness, this richness of music with the boom, 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 boom. I love that. But this is what's beautiful. The Bible says in verse number one, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. You know what that means? You don't have to be able to sing like Mark or play like Emily or strum a bass like Ted. He wants you. He wants you. Go to the next one. He says, all, all ye lands, whether you're Latino, whether you're uh, a white person, whether you're a black person, whether you're an Asian, or whether you're a mix of them all, God wants you. He wants you. He wants you to bring him praise. He wants you to use your talents. Your talents might not be strumming a guitar. Your talents might be learning how to plant uh, plants or to lay irrigation or to roll out cement. I don't know if that's how you do it, but you roll out cement. (laughs) There are people, this is what's beautiful. God uses everybody. Look at the chair in front of you. You see those connection cards? Those connection cards were somebody saying, I praise the Lord. Yesterday, there was a, a couple who's a retired couple came in here for two hours, and those connection cards are there because that retired couple, they neatly fit them the way they're supposed to. Isn't that beautiful? Did you guys see the new sign operating out there? Yeah. Aren't you? Th- yeah, clap for that. That's something that's been, it's been a... That sign's put out there because people who know how to do things with electricity and concrete 
and backhoes and shovels. They know how to do things that I have no clue how to do them. But there's going to be 25,000 cars that drive by this street every single day. And they will give they will see the praise of God because electricians and construction workers and people with backhoes and diggers and a whole lot of different things, they made it happen. Isn't that beautiful? See, all ye lands. Well, I can't sing. Good. There's a place for you. Well, I don't know how to play the guitar. Good. That's fine. We got a pretty good one right now. Now, we can use two or three. We could use ten. That'd be awesome. But if you don't play the guitar, it doesn't mean God... Well, I, I can't be in the... Oh, it's Okay. There's a hundred different places that God wants to use you because you are all these lands. Go to the next slide. The Bible tells us this, that God wants us to give service. In verse number two, he says that we praise the Lord when we serve the Lord with gladness. We come before his presence with singing. Now, there's two types of service. Go to the next slide. There's two types of service. There's a service that is done in the church. So right now, your cars are not being broken into, in part because there's a couple of men who are walking around right now making sure that your car is not getting broken into. I'm thankful that my car is not getting broken into right now, aren't you? If you have a child that is of nursery age, if you're choosing to hold that child, that's wonderful. If you're choosing to um, be an adult for an hour and be able to talk and not have to care for this person for an hour, it's because there are volunteers who are serving that's so beautiful. Back in Camp Liberty, there's, there's 50, 60 volunteers who are taking care of children's ministries up here in our sound studio. Whenever this thing is not working, there's a wonderful lady up there right now who's waiting next. <laughs> and I'm thankful for their service because when we serve one another, we are showing the world that there is a God who loves us. You know that lady who's doing the, she's not getting paid by the hour. She's getting paid by her love for Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? The Bible says this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples and that ye love one another. When I demonstrate love to a person, I am showing the world there is a God. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. I want people to know I'm a Christian. Then show love one to another. Serve one another. So the Bible tells us that we're supposed to serve each other, but then we're supposed to serve our community. That's why we'll have things like a Christmas experience where we give away Christmas trees or we'll have a maximized life summit or we do programs like it feels like summer for the purpose of putting into people's life a service to Jesus Christ. This world needs Jesus. And the way this world is going to meet Jesus is through you and through me. And so we serve the Lord with gladness. Let's see point number two. We not only see the methods of our praise, but point number two, we see the motivation of our praise. In verse number four, the Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. I want you to see this. Go to the next slide. The Bible tells us the reason we praise is because we have unbridled appreciation one of the reasons I asked you to tell somebody beside you that God is good this morning because God is good, isn't he? And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes with the circumstances of the day or we get a bill in the mail or we get bad news uh, financially or we go through a difficult season relationally, we stop to remember, oh, God is good. If you're breathing today, oh, God is good. 
If you walked in here today, God is good. God, if you drove a car here today, God's good. If you rode a bicycle, God's good. If you got on a bus, and God, God is good. If your air conditioned worked this week, God is good. If your air conditioned didn't work this week, it'll make you thankful for when it is again working, right? Because God has been good to us. And all of those things fail in the goodness of God when we realize that God is so good and that I'm a sinner. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, the Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, Jose, God is good because you and I don't deserve to go to heaven, but he died for our sins. Isn't that awesome? Jomar, he took our sin in his own body on a tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by his stripes. We are healed. Mario, you and I deserve to go to hell. But he paid for our sins, Robert. He took our nails. He took our crown of thorns. He took our spit in his face. What an amazing God. He paid for our sins. And not only did he pay for our sins, but he was buried. But he rose again from the dead, proving that that payment was real. And then he gives us a book so that we can understand his truth and how to live for him and and be the disciples. Oh, we have so much to be thankful for. And we don't have to pay to get to heaven. We don't have to work to get to heaven. We don't have to try really hard to get to heaven because he paid it all. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I get to go to heaven, not because I'm good, not because I'm Baptist, not because I've done a number of good things or I try really hard. I get to go to heaven because God loves sinners. And I'm a sinner, so I qualify. And I asked him to save me, and he did. Oh, the unbridled appreciation. Why do I serve the Lord sometimes with an open hand? Why do I serve the Lord? Why, why, why do I show thanks to the Lord through my singing or through my service? Why do I do that? Because God's been so good to me. And if he's been good to me, he's been good to you as well. We see unbridled appreciation demonstrates the motivation. Go to the second point. Go to the next one. We understand our position. Look at verse number three. Go to the next slide. The Bible tells us this. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. You are not the product of a a cataclysmic accident. You were not formed because there was some big bang that blew everything up. Go to the next slide. You are not the product of some man's imagination. When Charles Darwin, back in the 1860s, wrote his racist trope, go to the next slide, entitled An Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, or, notice how racist this is, the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. When a man 160 years ago starts to articulate ideas in his mind of how we got here and tries to put into our thoughts that we're just somehow an accident or somehow we arrived here and there was no means and there is no purpose, we find a whole lot of confusion. So no wonder people act like animals. 
No wonder people live without morals because we came from nowhere. We're here for no reason. And when we die, we just turn to dust. The Bible tells us this. When we start to thank God and praise God in the way that we should, it changes our attitude from believing lies into understanding where we came from. Where did we come from? Go to the next slide. In the beginning, go, get out. Yeah, forget that one. I'm not going to talk about that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was God that made this. There's a God who has a purpose. There's a God who's given you a life for a reason. And when you die, there is a destination that you will spend all of eternity. This is not some cataclysmic accident. You are part of the creation and the invention of a holy God. And this is a great God. He's a God who loves you. He's a God who died for you. He's a God who's intimately involved with your life. How do you know that? Go to the next verse. The Bible tells tells us this, that we have an unmerited condition. Look at verse number three. Go to the next verse. The Bible says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God did not just create you and kind of like wind it up and let it go. Did you ever get one of those toys in the Happy Meals when you were growing up? Where, where you'd wind it up, wind it up, wind it up, and then it would just go. Or maybe one of those pull cars a pull car where you pull it back and then it would go off. There's a false teaching that says, sure, God created this universe. He kind of pulled it back and just let it go. That's not the way it works. The Bible tells us that God made us and we are his people. You're God's people. He cares about you. In the book of Matthew, he says he cares for you more than the flowers of the field. He talks about the sparrows, and he says, oh, you're much more important than the birds are to him. God cares for you. He knows every tension. He knows every anxiety. He knows every struggle you've gone through this week. God cares for you. He loves you. He, the Bible tells, you, tells us that we are like the sheep of his pasture. Now, we're not always the best sheep, are we? Sometimes we're dumb sheep. I saw this online a couple weeks ago. Go to this next one. I saw this online a couple weeks ago, and here's a shepherd whose sheep had fallen in a ditch. Some of you have seen this. Go ahead and press play. Pulls, and the sheep is free. Runs away. Stuck. <laughs> How many of you can relate to that? <laughs> Yay, Lord, you got me out of that one. <laughs> do you think the shepherd just was like, well, you got one and done? What do you think the shepherd did at the end of this video? Here we go. Let's get out. Let's go this way instead. The Bible tells us, go to the next slide so we can see the verse. The Bible says, you are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Isn't that great? That shepherd who pulled that dumb little lamb out of there and pulled him out and he's so happy. Oh, so happy, so happy, so happy. That shepherd didn't be like, never mind. That shepherd went over there and did the hard work again and pulled him out. And I ask you to remember this that God treats you like a sheep. He cares for you. Even in your stupidity, even in your failures, even in your, 
even in, in the dumbest of dumb, you're God's little lamb. Isn't that beautiful? He cares for you. He's not just the God who wound it up and let's see where it goes. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Look where it's going. No, he's intimately involved in every area of your life. Go to the next slide. I want you to see this. We come then to the message of praise. What is the message of our praise? In verse number five, the scripture says, for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Next slide. The Bible tells us this, that God gives us thankful rejoicing. The reason we praise God is because we're thankful. And that thankfulness pours out. And rather than having a tongue of grumbling and griping and complaining, rather than focusing on that which is bad, God says, look at all the good things you've been given. Look at all the wonder that you've enjoyed. So we, with the Lord, the Lord is good, verse 5 says. The Lord is good. Go to the next slide. And theories get rejected. What theories? Like you came from an ape? That you were a single-celled amoeba that was a part of a cataclysmic accident? No, that theory is rejected because I know God. He cares for me as a lamb. He cares for me as one of his sheep. Oh, that theory gets rejected. And then this is what's the last one. Look at this that truth is revealed in verse number five. For his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to how many generations? All generations. His truth endureth to all generations. How do we continue that line of truth? By giving praise. You ever try to find the perfect present? If you're trying to, like, I don't know what to get them. I don't know what to get them. I don't know what. Maybe this will be the perfect present. Maybe this will be good. And sometimes you hit it, and then sometimes you miss it. Guys, you ever done that at Mother's Day or at Valentine's Day? How many of you men have learned to keep the receipt? Okay, good. All right. My mom's a difficult person to buy for because she, she's not really materialistic in that she went, oh, I want this, or I want this, or I want this. She's not really materialistic, but she is a person that loves her family. She loved her mom. Can you go to the next slide so it's on that? Um, she loves her mom. My grandmother passed away about 10 years ago, the grandma who I said we would go and visit in Pennsylvania. And so there's a hole there because she doesn't get to connect with my mom or my grandmother as often as she would like. She would call her every Saturday and usually spend 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes longer, just connecting with my grandmother. But when my grandmother passed away 10 years ago, you could see that there was a a vacancy or a a hole there in my, my mom's life. And she doesn't whine about it. In fact, my mom's a very tough person. She's a very strong lady. We were hiking in the Virgin River one time with my mom, and as we were walking down the Virgin River in Zion, my mom slipped, and she went to brace herself against a rock, and when she went to brace herself against a rock, she put her hand down, and when she went and put her hand down, she went, ah, and she pulled her hand up, and her four fingers, her, her three fingers were like this, but her fourth finger was like that, and it wasn't being helped to do that. It was just sideways, and she went, And I watched my mom take that finger that was pointing that way, and I watched my mom go, let's go. (laughs) 
No joke, I watched her do it. I'm like, Mom, what are you doing? And she's like, we'll hike. We will hike. We will finish this hike and we will have fun. And her finger's like, <laughs> and every once in a while she'd put it in the river. The cool helps it. And we were about a mile and a half. I'm like, oh my goodness, my mom. She's a tough, she's a strong woman. I've probably only seen my mom cry five or six times in my entire life. And so the idea of, of trying to show her love and, and appreciate is something very special to us. Not too long ago, my wife was on Pinterest. She said, oh, this would be a good idea for you to get your mom. And she saw these, these towels where you could take recipe cards that uh, people had written on recipe cards, and you could take that handwritten recipe card, and you could put it on like a tea towel or a kitchen towel, and it could be an ornament or a decoration. I said, that's perfect. I secured my grandmother's handwritten cinnamon roll recipe. And with that handwritten cinnamon roll recipe, I, with the help of one of our staff members, Grace, I said, hey, would you help me out with this? Go to this website. And Grace helped me get this little kitchen towel put together. And on this kitchen towel, I got my grandmother's recipe in her own hand. Had it written out. And uh, so I got this, and I, I put it together. In fact, I was so excited about it that I showed my dad about a week before Christmas. I said, come here, come here, I gotta show you this. And he said, what is it? And I opened it up, and at first he's like, oh, that's nice. Your mom will like, she likes kitchen things. And I said, no, look at it. And he said, I said, it's grandma's cinnamon roll recipe. Oh, yeah. And then he noticed, oh, that was my grandma's own handwriting. And my dad went, oh. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and so on Christmas morning, we do this tradition. There's so many of us, I don't even know how many nieces and nephews I have are running around and doing things, but I was so excited for this moment. And we put, we put everybody in the chair of cheer. The chair of cheer is where you put a person and they have to open the present in front of everybody that they were given. And so my mom's there. I say, hey mom, open up this one. And I said, this one's from me. And I was watching it and my dad's like, oh, 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 watch this one. And so everyone's watching mom, and she opens up the present. When she opens up the present, she looks and says, oh, these are nice towels. And I said, did you read it? And she, grandma's cinnamon rolls. And then she, oh, oh. And she did this. Matthew. <laughs> and she started crying. And she stood up, and she walked towards me. And she was crying here on my chest, and I'm hugging her. And I was like, oh. And it was like, my dad's over there. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at Josh and I'm like, beat ya. <laughs> because it's like that perfect gift. It's like that perfect present where you're like, oh, I, oh, this is everything. God's done so much for us. God's done so much for us. And sometimes I think we we feel as if though maybe we, I can't write that big check and I can't, I, I, I can't do this and my health limits me here and maybe I'm not able to do this, but I want to find the perfect present for God. And this is what he says. What's the perfect present for God? An open hand. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I want to do something big for God. Just give him an open hand. Oh, I'm so thankful, Lord. Oh, Lord, you've been so good to me. Oh, I'm so thankful, God. And recount the blessings, and in that blessing, find a place to serve. 
Whatever talent you have, if you can sing, great. If you can play an instrument, great. If you can lay sod, lay sod. Whatever you do, serve the Lord and serve the Lord with gladness. This is a psalm of praise. And the psalm of praise says, what does God want for Christmas? What does God want for August? This is the perfect present. It's an open hand. Oh God, thank you. I give you honor. May we all give the Lord what he is due this week. May we give him a psalm of praise. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And thank you for the truth that's found in it that we read about in your word. I pray that you would help us to take these truths, apply them to our lives, and use them for your glory. We want to honor you. And in our minds, sometimes we think we have to do a hundred different things, and, and I don't think that's wrong. But maybe this week be people of praise, people of thanksgiving. And may you use our lives to lift up your wonderful name. We ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.